2: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is the Sports Radio 610 Outdoor Show. With Captain Mickey Eastman, Captain Mickey has been guiding the Texas Gulf Coast waters for over 30 years and has won numerous national and local tournaments. Now, here's your host, Captain Mickey.
1: Good morning. Welcome to the Sports Radio 610 Outdoor Show on this Saturday morning. I'm Captain Mickey Eastman, producing the Outdoor Show this morning. Is Jace. All right, our sponsors today: Texan Roofing, the CCA Star Tournament, Boyd's One Stop, Mainstream Marketing, and the Belleville Meat Market. All right, looking at weather. Yeah, weather, weather. All right, uh, feels like 98 in Galveston this morning. I don't know about that. That's what it says just about every morning, but it's 83 degrees down on the island, and uh, some clouds and kind of uh, kind of humid. But Looking at uh, forecasts for today, clouds this morning, they'll give way to generally sunny skies for the afternoon with a high of 89, and south-southwest winds at 10 to 20. And then for tonight, mostly clear, low of 82, south-southwest at 10 to 20. And then for tomorrow, partly cloudy skies, high of 89, winds south-southwest, 10 to 20. Sound familiar? All right, looking at... Uh, Tides for today, these are Galveston channel tide predictions. We have two of them coming up at 6:12 uh, a.m. we have an incoming tide, a high tide at w- it's a 1.5 and then we have a low tonight at 9:42 p.m. a negative 0.6. Sunrise this morning 6:30 a.m., sunset 8:20 p.m. and our moon phase 8%. We start our new moon uh, Tuesday night. Looking at current conditions, Well, right now, 22 nautical miles east of Galveston, the buoy out there showing 85-degree air temperature, 85-degree water with a south wind at 18, gusting to 20, barometric pressure 29.91 inches and steady. In the Galveston Channel, it's 84 degrees with 89-degree water, south-southwest at 12 to 15 And at Eagle Point, it looks like it's 85 degrees there on the bay this morning with 87.6 degree water. Goodness, that's warm. South-southwest, 17 to 22. And at Morgan's Point, it's 82 degrees with 87 degree water. South winds at 10 to 17, barometric pressure, 29.89 inches and steady. So uh, the hot weather continues. We shall move on with hot weather it looks like uh there's no relief in sight it looks pretty much the same and it uh anyway well this morning uh starting off we usually start off with Bill Watkins but there's no answer this morning so we'll uh get somebody up here in a little while and uh get something rolling and I know I can always depend on this guy to pick up the phone in the morning because he's uh I think he wakes up before I do. That's uh, Richard Tosh, the fish dude on Lake Conroe. Richard's always awake. What's up, man? You big red in it this morning? Oh, you
0: know it. I'm on my way to the lake this morning. I'm not quite there yet. But, man, it's 82 degrees. Good night. It's already
1: hot. Yeah, but that feels good compared to the afternoons. I mean, it feels so good in the evenings about 7 to 8 o'clock. The wind's blowing good, got a good breeze, and you're going, (laughs) man, this really feels good, and it's still hot. <laughs> I know, I know. Like yesterday, I was out there
0: wandering around under the bar getting the boat ready and everything. It was about uh, it's probably about 6
1: o'clock. It's still hot. Yes. That, that, that 7 and 8, like you're saying, when that sun starts going down, that sure makes it feel a lot better. It and sure I mean, does. I guarantee you. But it, and then when you get out there on the water,
0: I mean, it's not that bad out on the water, but... That wind, I like guess that wind kicked it up pretty hard yesterday. It was, we hit, we had like three different brim beds yesterday, and, and uh, one of them, one of them was a pretty big one, but it was riding right on dang wind. So it was yeah. a, it was a tough one, tough one to fish for brim. But we caught a couple
1: up off of it. So How are you catching those that, brim? How are you rigging up for them? Of them, you had them laying in the bottom of your boat. Those are some, those are some picture brim there, buddy. I guarantee. You, I, I kept on to pick one up and hold it in my hand, but I didn't know if I was going to be balanced enough to hang on to a brim and take a picture at the same time without it popping <laughs> popping right out of my hand. You know, because then
0: we're absolutely once you grab hold of them? They like to plop around a little bit. But
1: you know, they're tough little fish. fish. Just, a kingfish rod to really mean, man. I I guarantee you,
0: well them little rascals they pull like a freight train. I That's kind of like
1: just, our Atlantic croaker, you know, that we catch here. Well, when we used to have big ones, we don't anymore. Croaker populations are, you know, they're almost as pitiful as the trout populations. But oh um, when, uh, when you catch a good one, you know, two or three pounds, buddy, you think, you know, you think you got a redfish on, boy. For their I, pound for pound, they're just a tough fish. Well, whiting is too. Same thing. I tell you what,
0: it's 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 amazing how strong those little fish are. You know, it just mm-hmm. it just kind of blows my mind because I mean they just they know how to use their sides. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, got to be to survive. And, you know, there's a lot of predators out there that uh, like brim. Boy, the big bass like them.
0: I uh, hear you. So it's like it's like on on hybrid fish. I use them on hybrids, the smaller ones, of course. You know, not mm-hmm. those big giant ones. But I found out. I've I've figured out another little trick on those hybrids because sometimes they'll grab them and they'll let them go. And when you use them for bait on them, take take a pair of scissors and cut them, that dorsal fin, trim them tips off of there so that they don't poke them fish when they grab them and bite them.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, because them goofy rascals, they'll flare that fin up and start poking them fish that are trying to eat them. And then sometimes they'll let go. That's what's so funny about it. You well, that's what—that's what, they know that's what
1: those uh, fins are for on the top, like that, is to uh, prevent predators from swallowing them. They can get away. And
0: that's a, I guarantee you. And that that's you know why. How to that's use why them, all sir. these
1: predator fish—they swallow those fish head first because the fins fold back towards the tail and they can get it down through their gullet.
0: That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So many people don't realize that, you know. Now, with a shad or something like that, they'll eat it from behind.
1: But sure. when
0: it comes to when it comes to brim and and other other fish similar to that that have the the fins like that, they'll them goofy rascals. They they're gonna take them head first every time, no matter what. And that's it, 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 like
1: them dang old bass.
0: They're so weird. That the uh, friend of mine had one one time that he. Uh, he was out there fishing, saw these two fish floating. It was about a, I think it's about an eight pound bass, and he had tried to swallow a catfish. Like, if mm-hmm. old catfish says, You ain't going to do that. And he poked his fins through his gills. So, wow. I mean, that that catfish said, No way. See? A buddy of mine clipped them fins off a catfish, threw them both back, and they both lived. So, it's just kind of a weird thing. That, well, tell you know, me this
1: on, on Conroe. You know, y'all got a really lucrative, uh, Brim population, but, you know, they seem to multiply and stay abundant, but the crappie don't. I mean, what's up with that?
0: Nobody fishing for them.
1: Nobody fishing for them? They don't get the pressure?
0: They don't get, I bet they don't get uh, a millionth of a percent of the pressure that the crappie get. You know, like I say, the biggest thing about the crappie on, on Conroe is, or pretty much any lake. And, and, you know, like I say, people are going to get mad at me because I've already contacted Parks and Wildlife about closing season on crappie from December to March 31. Just do not make it where it's against the law to even keep one because so many people will not allow these fish to spawn. And I get the calls all the time, are the crappie in the shallows, are the crappie in the shallows, are the crappie in the shallows. If they're in the shallows, they're spawning. I absolutely will not take you fishing for them. It's well, not you know, going to happen. They
1: wouldn't, wouldn't have to be a permanent deal. Just do it for a couple of years till the population uh, became really lucrative, you know, or abundant. A lot of it, you know, let let them uh, spawn out, and then uh, exactly for a couple of years, then open it back up in the spring like that.
0: Exactly. I mean, that's that's the thing right there. And the biggest problem with Conroe is you've got i tw- I'm going to say a 27,000 acre lake that's within close proximity to at least a million people that are going to come over here and fish, okay? Well, out of those million people, let's say 100,000 of them go for nothing but crappie, and they go for them only only during the spawn, okay? Every every single crappie you pull out during the spawn has got a minimum of 20,000 eggs in it. So, out of and 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 seventy five percent of them you catch during the spawn are all going to be females. So for every one you're taking out, you take a limit a day out. That's twenty five a person. You take that out every day, and seventy five percent of those, which is going to be what eighteen fish or so, that's going to be that that eighteen fish is going to have over a million eggs that will never see the light of day. They'll, I mean, they'll never reproduce the rock. They're, they're going to be gone. And I mean, we, went, we went through this back in the back in the 90s. It's like, you know, I tell people all the time years ago, me, Butch Turpey and Debbie Watson every day would come into the cleaning table that they used to have at stowaway with no less than 500 crappie every single day. And we did that for 100 days straight. And just, we, didn't, we didn't think about it back then, the spawn. We were catching them during the spawn, when they finished spawning, any time we could get them to bite. Mm. So we, we did that, and then all throughout the 80s, 90s, and then all of a sudden about 2000, 2001, boom, they were gone. You couldn't hardly catch them. And I'm, I was sitting there scratching my head going, what in the heck is going on? And Debbie's going, All oh, my people like to fish for crappie. And Butch says, it don't matter to me. I'll fish for anything. And, you know, I'm the same way. I'll fish for anything. But the crappies were just not there. So it forced me into fishing for hybrids.
1: So that's how
0: I got into hybrid fishing so much is because the crappie disappeared. And then, all you know, about probably about 2006, you started getting back to where we were catching more and more crappie. But a lot of the guys laid off of them because you couldn't catch them. So, And then also we started that restocking deal at Stowaway where, you know, taking the pocket change people have and then every year going out and purchasing crappie and putting in the lake because Parks and Wildlife doesn't do it. So, you yeah. know, with that, you know, that's that's the reason behind a lot of it.
1: I know you all been doing but, that for a while, you know, uh, have your money yes. car there and raise money to restock every year.
0: That's it, you know. They're a dollar. Or the last I checked, they were a dollar seventeen each. So for a, for you a, know,
1: that's what what size crappie is that?
0: About a, about a four inch crappie. Four inch. So yeah, about a four inch, four maybe a five inch crappie. That it'll be a dollar seventeen. So Dang. and that's I, I know it's that that's a lot. You think about it, but you know, thanks to everybody donating their pocket change every year, we got you know six to eight thousand crappie out. So that's. I mean, that's fantastic. I mean, I love it. And it's, you know, it's showing some improvement and it's helping, but you can't keep up with the numbers of people that are out there just hammering on. True.
1: You know, well, you know, you hear I mean, all these, you know, folks will tell you, oh, you can't uh, overfish a resource with a rod and reel. Well, yeah, you can.
0: Yes, you, really you can. can. Yes, I mean, absolutely. If that can. was the case,
1: TPNW wouldn't worry with limits or anything like that, you know, and it's. Uh, that's. It's, you got, you got to have, you got to limit people to, because. Well, you Mickey
0: you remember, you remember years ago on, like on Livingston, they didn't even have a limit on white bass because they thought there's no way in the world you could ever catch them out. And it's got to where people were starting to catch them out because they'd take coolers, you know, 48 quart coolers and just fill them up, you know, and it's not hard to do over there. So they did, they did finally put the limits on them for that reason.
1: Exactly. let me do this break right quick, Richard. I'll come back to you, man. Hang with me. Okay. You got time? Okay. Yes, sir. All right. Yes, sir. All right. Well, Texan Roofing, they're the people I trust. You know, Texan Roofing, they cover Houston and surrounding areas, and Texan Roofing has free estimates on any roof leak repair or replacement. Texan Roofing has the Better Business Bureau A-plus rating with no complaints ever, and they're certified to give the best leak-free warranties in the business. Texan Roofing has found the majority of jobs they do, they offered the lower price and beat the competition's quality and warranty. Along with their Honest Roof Inspections, A-plus Management, these are reasons to call Texan Roofing. And if you tell them you heard about it right here on the Outdoor Show, Tim and all his fine staff, they'll work directly with you and make sure the job is done right the first time. Call Texan Roofing at 281 391 That's 281 391 RTXANROofing.com. And when you call the good folks at Texan Roofing, please tell them Captain Mickey sent you.
2: You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sports Radio 610 presents The Outdoor Show with Captain Mickey Eastman.
1: Good morning. Welcome back to the Sports Radio 610 Outdoor Show 418 here in the Bayou City on this warm, windy morning. All right, let's go back to Richard up on Lake Conroe. Okay, Richard, we're back.
0: Yeah, yeah, but it, like I was saying on Conroe, you know, I mean, it's 27,000 acres where you got like Sam and that's what, 100, 115, 114,000 acre lake. So, it's a bunch. Everybody else, know, <laughs> well, it varies
1: it, in size depending on how high or how low it is, but it's big boy. It's a big one.
0: It is, you know, that, and that's the thing. I get people all the time to tell me Conroe's a big lake. No, not really. I mean, it's 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 a big pond, is what it is. But but uh, you know, because you can almost see from one end to the other on Conroe where, Raven, there, ain't no way it's going to happen. You know, on. Yeah. I can figure the overall length of Conroe. the The biggest majority of the lake starts in New Waverly and ends in Conroe. So that's uh, that's 15 to 18 miles. It's not that's not a lot, you know. Yeah. Where Rayburn, I mean, just it takes you an hour to go down one side of Rayburn. You know, yeah, it takes
1: you half go, day to drive all the way around it. <laughs>
0: it does. I mean, you've been over to Powell Park, so you know exactly what it takes coming from coming from Houston or wherever. See, oh, Powell yeah. Park is probably it's probably the furthest point away from anything on that lake, but it's a nice area. So yeah. you know that's that's what's kind of that's what's kind of unique about over there because it is so big. You can you it'll sustain a population of fishermen that it, that can work know how to fish and catch them. You know, mm. same way with Lake Livingston. I mean, Lake Livingston's a gigantic body of water too. You know the you know and, and like people always ask me. Uh, why are there so many white bass in Livingston versus in uh, in Conroe? Well, you've got a river system, even though yeah, that Trendy River kind of
1: supplies. Uh, that's that's a big time uh, a spawning ritual for that lake to keep it full all the time. You know, up the Trendy River, man, it's uh,
0: oh, exactly.
1: You know, it it that, it's it just feeds that lake that, big time.
0: Well, see, you know, that's one thing a lot of people don't realize. White bass are really similar to salmon. They to spawn, they have to have the current, and they go upstream every time. It's not gonna—they're gonna go as far upstream in any creek they can get as long as there's some current moving. But until that current starts moving, they won't spawn. It doesn't trigger them to spawn until they start getting that current, and the, you know the water temperature's right and all that good stuff. But you know, like with with Conroe, you've got the San Jacinto River. It's it's a I don't even know why they call it a river. It's a creek. I mean, it's the only time it's a river is whenever it's flooding, and that's about it because the river yeah. is not very big yeah. at all. You know, the Trinity River, there's spots in that Trinity River, I know, that are 80 feet deep. On Conroe, I don't I don't think there's a spot in the San Jacinto River at all that is over 10 feet deep, you know, up in the river itself. And some and those are just going to be little potholes. You know, most of those are... Uh, there just ain't nothing there. I mean, it's, it's log jams and stuff like that, but you don't have a, a moving river system. So the white bass on Conroe are dependent on wind-driven current. So they get on these these uh, sand, sandy points and stuff like that when the wind blows, and that's that's how they spawn on the lake. So it, it's just, you yeah, know, it's a whole different system. You know, it's just like fishing for catfish. Trinity River, I'm going to use a Carolina rig type setup. On on Conroe, has no current, no nothing like that. I'm going to take a treble hook, put a weight right on top of it, drop it down to the bottom, and to haul them out. I mean, that's just the way it is. Yeah. And then, you know, over, over Trinity River, for example, I mean, I grew up over there, a river rat by nature. So, grow up in that river, and you take in the current, and what you do is take a Carolina rig. Sometimes it'd be a one-ounce weight. Sometimes it'd be a half-ounce weight. But I use, always use them big egg sinkers and a barrel swivel and then put me a about a foot long leader on there put me a hook on take and cut me a shad up or what I like doing most over there is actually catching those bigger shad and filleting them out and using that fillet on my hook and throw it out there on the bottom and you fish ledges you know that's that's one thing my dad always taught me he says, there's three or four ledges out there in that river there's one that's really deep out in the middle or wherever the Wherever the current's strongest, it can be up against one side or the other, depending on how the river's bending. But you got that bottom ledge, you got a, a intermediate, and you got another one up there a little bit shallower, and then one above it. So you sit there and fish those ledges, and you take and work the bottom ledge. You put always fish with at least four rods, no matter what. Always did. You put one on the deep ledge, put one on that middle ledge, put one up shallow, and and it's kind of kind of vary your depths there and then all of a sudden you'll figure out which ledge they're on and you pull everything to that ledge and you start catching them fish over and over again there's a lot of big ones out there though that's the, yeah that's the thing lots of the big giant catfish over there and you'll hook into them every once in a while matter of fact last time i was over there i had a I had a buddy of mine over and and uh, he said man i want to go over there and catch me a big fish i said heck Let's let's go. So we loaded up, and the very first one we hooked into was fifty pounds.
1: So I was like,
0: "I'm I you know old." Set the hook.
1: Father-in-law, old Mac used to. Uh, he used to chase them big catfish in the Trinity River, and he always used live brim. Yeah. Yep.
0: Oh yeah! I'll tell you what we used to do, Mickey, and it's it's kind of funny. We're taking get you a, get you like a tuna rod. And uh, put you some big old heavy Cortland line on there because they didn't have nothing but that back there. Cortland,
1: then. I hadn't heard that in yeah. years.
0: Yeah, I hear you. Cortland you put line. That big old, <laughs> yeah, you put that big old Cortland line on there, and then uh, take you take you them brim and go into them log jams and drop down in them log jams, and boy, you you, you catch some big ones in them log jams. And you take that rascal. That's why you use that big rod and stuff because you had to jerk them out of them logs. Yeah, they'd be all right. You had, you right had to them muscle
1: in. them out of there, man.
0: There ain't no doubt. It was a tug of war. That was a true tug of war right there. Because them songguns, they'd be buried up in it, and you may run across a log down didn't have nothing in it. You may have run across nothing, have eight or ten of them in it. So it, it just it's fun. It's fun messing with them. You know, I just I never did like eating them big rascals, but it's fun playing with them.
1: I know. I, I, I uh, you know, I see people keep them big old flatheads all the time, and I guess, I guess the way they fillet them and dress them up and everything, and you know, cut a fillet in half and trim it down and all that, I guess they can make it taste good. But it's hard to beat a two-pound yeah. catfish for table fare.
0: I, I guarantee you, you get a two and a half to a four-pound channel cat. That is, to me, that is it. Mm-hmm. That's the that's a cat's meow right there, I promise you, because it's, it's as good as it gets. I mean, you get you a good, solid fillet front to back, and, I mean, it's just it's picture perfect as far as a fillet of fish, and you take that rascal, and, and I always, you know, a lot of people try to chunk them up and stuff like that, and when I get a fillet of uh, catfish fillet out there, I'm going to lay him down, and you'll see these lines in him, kind of like ribs in that yeah. fish. I'm gonna cut right down those lines, the lengthwise, and that way, instead of cutting it in a chunk, it I got them, got them in strips. And yeah, when and you, you season them, fry them up,
1: prime that way.
0: Oh, shoot! Yeah, them rascals—they turn into curly fries, and, and they—they're all seasoned perfectly. They yeah. all cook evenly. I mean, it's just as good as it gets, right there. Ah, dang, I'm making my mouth water already. That ain't no good. <laughs> it's too early in the morning. <laughs> oh heck. but thats i'll I tell you what it's that's one of them things That's like yes guess i was sitting there think, thinking man i want i want fish but i had to hire the night before last
1: <laughs> oh
0: heck, I, I don't know i made up with it that's all i can say is i made up with it ain't what are you fishing do for today it. i think we're going catfishing today we just yeah. i hadn't just sat down on them catfish so today we're just going to go hammer on them see what we can do there you
3: go that's,
0: Get to see if I can load this boat with some of them, because they should be coming off of them flats now a little bit. You know, My dad, I talked to my dad last night, and he says, hey, I'm having a hard time over here. He's over at Horseshoe Bay. He says, I'm having a hard time catching them over here. I said, you need to move up shallower. He says, them suckers are, are spawning over here, so you got you got to get out there and start moving around. He said, well, maybe I didn't think about that. So, said, maybe so. So he's going he's gonna to get out there, and he told me he said, yeah, those, those Horseshoe Bay catfish are different. He says,
1: I caught eight
0: fish today and cleaned them and got eighteen ounces of fish. I go, man, that ain't right. That ain't right at all. He said, but that's all right. we had leftovers. And I said, that's okay. So as long as you had leftovers, you're good. So but that's what he does. He goes out once a week. He goes goes and catches some dinner and then goes in. So that's that's what he's doing over there at, at Horseshoe Bay. So that's. That's one of them things. It's, it's fun listening to him because over there, there's, there's, everything is different, you know. I go over there and fish with him every once in a while, and that's yeah. nothing but rock over there. I mean, they, he's yeah. fishing cracks and rocks basically. So, it's, does he still fish? To to your
1: dad still fish quite a bit.
0: Uh once a week, every week. There you go. Yep,
1: he's
0: going. To, he's going to go out every. I think he goes out every Thursday. That's the thing. He's going to go out every Thursday unless the weather's too bad. Now, mm-hmm. If the weather's too bad, he'll stay at the house. But yeah. he's going to go out once a week and get some dinner. That so well, keeps,
1: keeps him active. Hey, That's that's all I, good.
0: You ain't kidding. You ain't kidding because, what, is he 84 now? So he's still going 84. pretty good. I mean,
1: That's that's pretty darn good, man.
0: I I guarantee you, brother. I, I mean, he's just as hard-headed as ever, so.
1: Richard, you I got time? You from. got time to talk some more? You know, before well, I go, sure. to Charlie later. Might as well. Absolutely. Bill, Bill didn't pick up this morning, so I'm running low on uh, talent this morning. Sharky, that's, that's right. Sharky's well, bailed on me. Bill's bailed on me, so I'm.
0: Oh no! Yeah. Oh no! Well, that's fine. All right. I can we'll talk. make it.
1: Hey, we're all good. Yes, sir. All right, hold on. I'll be right back, buddy. Man. Well, I need to take a moment to tell everybody about the 34th annual CCA Texas Star Tournament. It's all brought to you by your Texas Ford dealers, Tilson Homes, and Academy Sports and Outdoors. This tournament runs all summer long. It started Memorial Day. It'll run through Labor Day. And if you sign up, you can take advantage of over a million dollars in prizes and scholarships. And that's for inshore and offshore divisions. With 120 tagged redfish released into Texas inshore waters, you can fish for those for great prizes or other species like gaff top, drum, and sheephead. And offshore fish for great prizes when you catch red snapper, ling, dolphin, and kingfish. So just go to startournament.org. You can sign up and check out rules, entry, and prize information. And the CCA Star Tournaments brought to you by great sponsors like Mercury Marine, Shiner Bock, Hallpower Polaris, Texas Fish and Game Magazine, ABC 13, Cryptek and coastline trailers, just to name a few. Go to startournament.org, call 713-626-4222, and get signed up today.
2: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. live from the twin peak studios sports radio 610 presents the outdoor show with captain mickey eastman
1: good morning welcome back to the sports radio 610 outdoor show on this saturday morning it's 432 here in the bayou city let's go back to the the fish dude all right richard i'm wearing you out this morning man hey
0: that's all right it don't hurt my feelings
1: none at all well you've never been you've never been lost for words (laughs)
0: no no i guarantee i can talk i can talk to a tree and it'll if it talks back i'll be all right i guarantee there ain't no doubt about that but it's you know that's that's the thing i enjoy doing it anyway that's that's the main thing i I see they i I think next year I'm gonna to try to make it over to Diecast. The they just finished that thing up in Orlando.
1: Yeah, I saw where they're having that, and everybody flying out there to look at stuff. It's gonna be on the shelves here pretty soon, anyway.
0: Yeah, that's a, you know that's the thing. I, that, I sure want to go one of these days. I'm going to make it over because. It's, yeah, that's where uh, the fishing industry gets puts out all their new products every year. Right. You get to see what I you know, it used got. to be
1: called, what was it called, the AFMA Show or whatever, the American Fishing Tackle Association yeah, of America go. or something. I forget. It's yeah. called AFMA. And, uh,
0: yeah.
1: I went to the one it's in New Orleans one ago. year. That was pretty good. We spent more time on Bur- Bourbon Street than we did at the uh, convention. Ah, center. there you go. <laughs> there you go.
0: There you go. There ain't no doubt. But you know, the thing is, it's, it's another show kind of, you know, like what we do down there at the George R and stuff like right. that. So, but it's, you know, it's more, more geared towards the, uh, the producers of the bait yeah, that the, we use. Yeah, the product
1: you know. end of it. Yeah. New product. Right. And, uh, you know, all the displays and the newest, newest and latest and greatest stuff. I know. And that's
0: what kills me. I, Cause I'm, I'm the, I'm the guy that likes to do all the latest and greatest, you know, there's. There's no doubt. I'm am I'm When it comes to fishing and fi, especially fishing technology, the electronics and stuff, I am I am just so ate up with that. It's, it's like computers were back in the nineties. You know, yeah, you get one today, next guys, week,
1: it's, it's a whole different game. And well, our I, offshore fishermen is. and you freshwater guys, y'all, y'all consistently live and die with electronics.
0: Yes. I mean, that's, that's the thing, especially on, you know, on these big bodies of water, you know, like, like you say, offshore out there. I mean, you can find so much stuff offshore that right. that someone else may not ever fish, you know, and, and, if, you know, you can find these big groups of fish and stuff down there and, and find out, you know, like tuna, if they're, you know, what depth they're in and whether, where they're coming up to stuff like mm. that. And then, then, uh, you know, like out here on Conroe especially, and I know Rayburn's real big on it where you're offshore fishing a lot and looking for offshore structures, whether it be rock or timber or, or just a hump or, or a hole or anything like that, you know. So, yeah, you always, you're constant. I'm constantly looking at it, you know, whether, even if I'm running across the lake, my eyes are glued to that depth finder. I pay attention to everything. If I, if I, especially when I'm hybrid fishing, if I spot a bait ball when I'm running across the lake, I'm gonna stop immediately most of the time, and it may be in the middle of nowhere. And yeah. but I'm gonna look at that bait ball. If I spot that bait ball out there, I, there's fish got to be around it. So, and I've done that so many times where I just be running across, going to going to a different spot or just going to a spot. And think okay i'm going they they got to be over here in this area where I normally catch them, and then a uh, half mile before I get there, I look and I say, man, there's a lot of bait and I just stop and look and boom we we start catching them right there,
1: mm-hmm. so
0: it's uh you know that's that's one of those things where you know a lot of people don't don't pay attention to it. they just say hey I'm going to go over here to my spot you know you well, know, that's
1: I, how I found yeah. a lot of spots uh you know in deep open water. You know, back in the day, and I'd, I'd punch them in because, uh, when birds would work yeah. over them, you know, you'd get a school of birds, and while my customers are reeling in fish left and right, I'm sitting there trolling motor and looking at my machine, and I would see exactly. just a little tiny, just, just a small undulation where the bottom would come up about four or five inches, and, uh, it'd be rock hard, you know, it'd be like clamshell yep. dumps out in the middle of nowhere, and I'd punch it in, and, uh, I don't know how many spots I found like that, all in deep open water. And then if the birds aren't working, those fish are there. All they're doing is laying up on top of those hard spots, waiting for the tide to bring those shrimp through there. And then they'd work them up, push them to the surface, and the birds would get on them. And then on days when there wasn't any shrimp, you know, migrating or moving around, you could always go back to those and ease in on them with a trolling motor and start nuking fish off of them.
0: It, uh, Absolutely, I mean, that's that, how you that, find that, a lot of that
1: stuff. Because if birds are working on, there's a reason those fish are right there in that one spot. Because there's shrimp all over the bay, but they're just feeding where there's a little bit of a bottom change or hard bottom like that out in that soft mud bottom, and those fish are always there.
0: Oh, yeah, I mean, and what what's amazing is it, it may not be a spot any bigger than the hood of your truck.
1: Yeah, you Al, know, it, some of them were, you know, that big, or, you know, most of them probably 50 you know, fifty yeah, yards they, or a hundred yards in circumference, and and uh, they were just good, good spots to hold fish. Yep,
0: yeah, and that, the thing is, is what what has always fascinated me. Just like we was talking about a while ago over at the river, where you're fishing those ledges. You know, these ledges yeah. I'm talking about over at the river might be ten or fifteen foot drop offs, but that four or five inch ledge, that little that little ridges like that. It's amazing right. how many fish will hold up on on yeah, long, rise.
1: You know, they just yeah, wait I mean, and let the current bring the bait to them, and they're able to ambush the bait there. They can hide in it.
0: Exactly. Plus, it's a current break form all kinds sure. of stuff. So, I mean, it's it's amazing what they do. You know, because
1: and it and it doesn't take
0: a lot. I tell people that all the time, especially during like the spawn on these bass over here. It, it during the spawn. If you find a little small drop-off, say maybe six inches or even a foot, it doesn't matter. A lot of those fish, before they move up and spawn, they'll hang on that one little drop-off. I mean, it's just yeah, amazing. they use it how for that,
1: like a staging area.
0: Right. I just stack up there like cordwood, and it's like, you got to mm-hmm. be kidding me. I mean, how is there so many fish in this one little area? And then, like right now, occasionally what I've been spotting on my side imaging is there's You'll have a brush pile, and then the fish are off of the brush pile on a little drop like that. They're not on the brush pile. They may be 15 feet off of it, but it's a little drop or some little change in the bottom right there. And instead of on the brush, they're off of it. They're not dead in it. And that's that's what messes up a lot of people because they spot that brush and say, okay, there's the brush. I'm going to throw at the brush. Well, if you spot them on your side image and they're not on the brush. Get away from the brush. throw over there where they're at. You know that's that's you one. You know of those we things. had a.
1: You know we got. Off, we used to have just hundreds of uh, gas wells all in the middle of Trinity Bay back in the day, and uh, yeah, those old timers. You know they'd fish those wells, but there was one well, Amarada One, Amarotta Hesfield, Amarada One. What they had done, some old timers that lived out there in Beach City. They took, like, old uh, washing machines and kitchen stoves and stuff like that. They'd haul them oh, out there, hurt. and they'd get off the well pad itself. They'd, You know, back then, they didn't have electronics. They'd just punch it out with a punch pole, all the shell around the well. And, you know, those fish would stay on one end of the well, depending on the current, whether they were on the north end or the south end of it and uh, on that shell pad. But they'd get off the shell pad, off that apron, where it dropped off into the mud, and they'd, they'd uh, sink those appliances like that on the bottom. And uh, oh, hey. they'd always say, yeah, I got them. I got them on. I got them in 1 today in the kitchen. and uh, Oh, there you that, go. There uh, you go. Man, I, I caught so many fish off that well, and I didn't even fish on the pad or near the structure itself. I was way back off of it out in the mud. And everybody would yeah, be anchored up kitchen. on They'd go, man, look at They'd come in and fish the well itself. They'd catch a few fish, but we're sitting on on those uh, appliances on the, the bottom, there, <laughs> sunk down there, just nuking the fish, and they couldn't oh, ever understand. Hurt. And uh, yeah, but uh, they were doing so that what, way back in the day, kind of like you guys do with these brush piles and all this crappie structure and everything else.
0: Oh yeah, well, see, there's a place over here on Conroe they call the hole. Uh, yeah, I bet you can't tell that. why they call it. Yep. Uh, it, somebody dumped a bunch of commodes out there years ago. And there's it, one like that over by a dollar. I'll be darned in you Lower know.
1: Galveston Bay, you know, uh, where somebody uh, it, dumped a bunch of old commodes out or something. Plumbers' Reach. Yep, <laughs>
0: that's it. There you go. I bet, you know, the thing is, stuff like that makes uh, makes good structure, and that's as like uh, there's you know all these car tires that are in Lake Conroe right now. There's a fella that just passed away, Hal Stevens. He's, I know he had his hands in on dumping some of those out there, but, but he, uh, as a matter of fact, they're having his service today, but he, uh, Hal was years and years ago, I think it was in the seventies. He, uh, him and another fellow got out there and they dumped a whole fistful of car tires in Lake Conroe and I'm still fishing them to this day. I mean, that's, that's where I catch a lot of my catfishes off of some of those car tires that they put out years ago. And, uh. You know, there's a lot of people bass fishing that catch lots of fish off of those tires that they put out years ago. So,
3: you know, that's,
1: that's one thing. Hal
0: did, to me, Hal did a great thing for the lake. You know, granted, nowadays people say car tires, you know, that doesn't that pollute it? Well, no, they've been in there so dang long. Yeah, they, and then, you know, and this was back way before, way before EPA and all that stuff, you know, so nobody really... Made any attention? Car tires were—that's a reef. That's what it is. It's a big reef. They still use those big old tires up at, like, Ray Ray Roberts, Texoma, stuff like that. Mm There's some big old dump truck tires they use for breakwaters and stuff like that up there. So, but all any any type of structure in the water, whether it be a car tire, whether you know, granted they frown on you dumping them tires in the lake, but but uh, you know, any type of structure in the lake. that you can legally put in there. Not not car batteries. Don't do that. I mean, them knuckleheads no. that do that. They need to. I mean there's there's some people that do it though. I'd use it as a weight or whatever, but don't do it. That's no. That's all lead and acid and stuff like that. Even though the acid will neutralize that lead don't need to be down there. So but it's uh you know the thing is structures in the lake no matter what it is, whether it be a it could be a uh, a fence post—it doesn't matter. A single fence post uh, will hold a lot of fish. I mean, it just amazes me. There's one little spot over in Caney Creek. I call—I I call it the, the horse pen, and a lot of people know where know where the horse pen is. And to call it pig pen because there's a bunch of pigs in there now. But call it the horse pen because years ago there used to be a bunch of horses in there. There was one T post, and it's that T post is still there underneath this pine tree
1: that Debbie Watson used to go in there, and she'd catch
0: a hundred crappie off that one little tee post. It's a metal tee post in the water, and it, there's only about a foot and a half of water right next to it. Mm-hmm. I, it's just amazing how they'd get, they'd stack up right next to that tee post, and it'd be every year you'd sit right there and just catch all the crappie you wanted right next to that, that one little bitty tee post. Just, that's just, it really is. I mean, it really amazes me how they'll get a one- piece of structure and no matter what you pull one out another one's going to move in so it, it's, you know, it's that's crazy about
1: crappie you know because there's not really i mean they it's like anything it's you know comes up from the bottom the way they support those trees you know like willows and and then those uh pvc things y'all make and they just uh right. on those i mean what do they think that is i mean that's crazy
0: well, really, more than anything, what happens with the, all the structures, any structure that you put in the water, the first thing that happens is the algae builds on it. Once yeah. the algae builds on it, then the minnows come in and start eating the algae. Oh,
1: okay. And then those,
0: they're, they're in there for the bait. That's what so they're, there they're there for. they're there for the they're bait. I got you. Right. That's the thing. You know, that's, that's why every time I put a new structure out, it's I won't fish it for a minimum of 30 days just because I want that algae to build on it. Right. So... As that well, algae this hot fields, weather this
1: is a good time to grow algae
0: i guarantee it is there ain't no doubt it's, it should i can't believe the lake had not turned over yet but it should be getting close because it's you know, uh
1: I, I hadn't heard anybody talk about any turnover yet anywhere any of the lakes
0: no no but it's got to be getting close with the water temps we got i mean it's got to be getting close you know because the water temp's still up there at 90 and uh, like i was talking about daddy last night he said it. Eight, so when these lakes there.
1: turn over like that, I guess it, uh, those fish, uh, they come shallower? I mean, they move up in the water column well, or what?
0: They will, they will move up in the water column, but you have to watch your release as, it, as the lake turns over. Because right. I was sitting out there one day as it was turning over, and you could watch your depth finder and you could see it moving up through the water column. Because all, all it is when the lake turns over is the algae on the bottom of the lake releases and comes to the surface. Okay, so it's, a, it's kind of re, rejuvenates itself as far as algae is concerned. And while it's coming up, it's killing your oxygen in the water. So if you watch it coming up on your depth finder, like I did, that I've only done it one time in my life where I've actually sat there and watched it come up. But as as it came up, you had to be above it. And then yeah. for about a week after, for about a week afterwards, the fish will be slow. They won't bite very good. I think right. it kind of makes them sick you know because there's not it's uh, like i say it kills the oxygen in it so that just it's one of the things you got to watch but i know we got a turnover coming pretty soon there's there's no way it can't with all the water temps we got so exactly well
1: and i hadn't heard much about vibrio yet but uh you know it's coming with uh, this hot weather and everything we should get yes. some weak tides all right richard well i got to run buddy if somebody wants to call you about coming up to conroe and Doing a little uh, fishing and a lot of talking, how they get a hold of you.
0: <laughs> uh, well, big, you can get in touch with me at 936 661 7920. You can find me on Facebook. Just check out the Fish2's guide service. You can email me at admin at fish2tx.com or just check out the webpage, fish2tx.com.
1: com. right. Richard, have a good one, man. Catch him up.
0: Yes sir. yes, sir. Y'all have fun.
1: All right, buddy. Thank you. All right. Now let's go over to Matagorda and let's check in with Captain Charlie P this morning. Charlie, what's up? Nothing. What's going Nothing. on? Nothing. <laughs> I'm tired. You sounded I'm tired,
3: man. I've been at it seven days in a row and I got a few days off after today, so
1: Well good. It's a good time to take some days off.
3: Yeah. And this, I know it's uh, tough
1: tough for you to do with that epic fishing your own, but hey, you know. Gotta to, gotta to rest up.
3: Oh yeah. It's <laughs> epic. <man>.
1: Epic.
3: <laughs> yeah, we need some kind of change, something, and it's the same thing every day.
1: Need some tropical moisture. Yeah.
3: Yeah, there's nothing in sight. No. I don't see a change for next week. Everything looks the same. Maybe a little rain toward the end of the week.
1: Yeah, we're in a kind of a rut.
3: Yeah. I guess we go through it every year. Just don't. uh, Just seems worse this year. I don't know. I don't know. But there's absolutely nothing new over here, Mickey. We're all uh, (laughs) catch a few fish on those first two drifts, and uh, then it gets tough. Mm. And uh, of course, the opposite for the Wade fishermen with the croakers. They're getting them. They get them. So that's what we're seeing. Thank God
1: for croakers.
3: Yeah, buddy. (laughs) Thank God for making
1: legends one fisherman at a time. Oh
3: yeah, yeah. I saw uh, one of them post yesterday with his two clients had their three fish strung up. I used used to be a pet peeve of mine teaching people how to string a fish. It's so simple. A guy what they them
1: through the gills and out the mouth. Or out one of them in had the them mouth and the out the gills. gills.
3: <laughs> yeah, one of them had them through the gills and out the mouth, and then the other one had the trout on just the bottom lip. You can't do just the bottom lip; that'll tear. You got to go through top and bottom in the corner. You know, right?
1: Go in one uh, corner at the bottom and out the top corner of the other side. That's it. That's it.
3: So.
1: I don't think Hilderman. these
3: guys teach these people nothing anymore. Just no, catching. it's all
1: about catching and killing, buddy. That's all That's it's it. about. Part of the you. That's it.
3: That's it. Yeah. No, we've been having these low tides too. God. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. We're on that negative pull at night. It goes out and it goes out a lot. And uh,
3: I don't know. If, I don't think we've had any high tides for a month.
1: Well, you know, remember. with the southwest wind, that deters the incoming. Quite a bit and you're yeah. just not getting that uh big push and pull. You get well, you get more pull than you are push. Right. Yeah. I you know, we're having this old man's tournament down here, I didn't even look
3: at that board to see who's got what. I don't you know, I don't see a lot of people catching a lot of fish. You know, some of the red fishermen that were fishing with cut mullet, they they caught some pretty good redfish. Uh I know the redfish I caught were like twenty-five inches. That's nothing. Mm-hmm. We did release a good trout, a twenty-five, a twenty-six, but couldn't understand it. He was bleeding. He wasn't even hooked that bad. But when I released him, he did shoot off like a bullet. You know, there was no hesitation. So yeah,
1: well, that's good.
3: He might make it okay.
1: Yeah, probably will. Yeah, uh, yeah. buddy mine, Joe and Katie. He's uh, he's fishing in it. And I Is was it, asking uh, Tommy yesterday morning if the entries were up or whatever, but he did text me yesterday evening and say the old man's attorney has 200 more entries this year than last year. It, it just doesn't seem that
3: big to me. You know, it used to be so yeah. big around here. There'd be 4,000 people around this place. Oh, Lord. But, uh, but we got a good crowd. We got a good crowd. You know, as soon as I get off the phone with you, I got to go jump in a boat, go over there, try to find a place to park the boat.
1: Well, it's uh, it's good for the local community around there. Oh, yeah. Brings, yeah. uh brings money in big time, and I know Matagorda depends on that. Yeah, it's a big deal around here, Mickey. Yeah. Big deal. Yeah. Well, kind of like when Although we, we got- take trout masters from town to town up and down the coast, it... uh a lot of money was spent.
3: Oh yeah, especially in the liquor stores.
1: Well, especially at we Moose Johnson's it. place here at Sand Dollar Pavilion. Lord have mercy! He said, "You know what?" He said, "I've had, I've had some tournaments here, but this one right here, I've never run out of whiskey before." And he said, "You guys, <laughs> your guys drank, <laughs> drank us dry last night." He said, "I'm gonna have to bootleg some whiskey in here today." <laughs> oh, that was funny. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah, buddy.
3: Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I guess the boys are still catching them over there in Corpus. Have, have you talked to Cliff lately?
1: I will this morning. See, see how he's doing.
3: Yeah. I would imagine this heat and weather's got them on not so great either, but. Who knows?
1: Yeah, I'm sure he's, the poker been, are them. he's been uh, fishing, you know, shallow sand early in the morning. Just, you know, it's a lot cooler. The water is in there tight and shallow over the sand bottom. But and I think they're moving out to the rocks later. I don't know. I'll find out from him when I talk to him. He's always yeah, got some good stuff. input.
3: Yeah, he does. The. Uh, you know, I noticed the way the wade fishermen on the shorelines around here yesterday—they're all up against the bank early, and and then you got to watch yourself out there. They're out neck deep, you know, by nine or ten o'clock. Yeah. So, sounds,
1: that's what's going on familiar. over here,
3: Mickey. Not much more.
1: That's it. Chase them out and yes, sir. Go to your neck and keep catching them. Yep. Well, Conservation. Well, get over there and see if you can find you a hole to tie up in and pick your sports up. (laughs) We're going to do it. Make sure there's no rattlesnake in your boat.
3: Yeah, we'll see see who shows up this morning. Sometimes on these tournaments, uh, you get a lot of no-shows the next morning.
1: Well, Tommy was kind of in that mode yesterday morning. He didn't know whether his guys were going to show or what because they – that late night. <laughs> yeah, but they
3: didn't shove.
1: I didn't see him. Yeah. So. May not have had. That oh, happens. well. Yep. All right, Charlie P. Throw your number out. If somebody wants to come to Matagorda and hang out with you, buddy. You might actually seven put them on three, some fish, seven, huh? <laughs>
3: sometimes. Sometimes yeah. we do. Yeah, you do. 713
1: 725
3: 2401. All right, buddy.
1: Charlie. Be safe out there. Stay hydrated. Get in, get early, and get in that A.C., buddy.
3: Take care, Mickey. See you next week. Later, man.
1: All right, that's Captain Charlie P. It's time for our top-of-the-hour break here at the Outdoor Show at Sports Radio 610. We'll be right back.
2: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe.